All views and opinions expressed in this podcast may lead to learning. All information provided is for educational and developmental purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for a growth mindset. Before taking action, please consult your motivation. This is the Teacher Talking Time Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Teacher Talking Time Podcast for language learners. This is the cult of learning. The aim of our series is very simple. We're just here to encourage you to find and pursue what you are passionate about when you're learning a foreign language. To those of you who don't know, the Cult of Learning series are basically episodes for learners of languages. And in these episodes, we discuss tools, we discuss strategies for learning, and we try our best to provide you with opportunities for effective listening practice. As usual, I'm here joined by Mike. Mike, today's episode is an interesting one because we've been talking about doing an episode on this, and we're going to be looking at a very important technique, one that is crucial for those of you who want to learn a language. We're going to be talking about noticing. What is it? How does it affect language learning? How do we notice language? Why is noticing so important? If you want to know the answer to these questions, stick around because we're going to be answering all of them. But before we get the ball rolling, Mike, we always have some very important reminders for our listeners. Yes, everyone. It's great to be back with you. If you're listening to this podcast, of course, please do not forget to subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcast player, our YouTube channel. And if you want to learn about more about more of the work that we do and the courses we offer, please do not forget to visit our website and subscribe to our mailing list for exclusive bonuses and promotions. And before we go any further, let me just talk to you a little bit about some of these courses. So if you are a language learner and you're tired of learning in the classroom, then you should join our SDLP. For $5 a month, you will get unlimited access to our School of Learning. That includes live lessons, self-study materials, and just really a great community to work with. And if you'd like to learn more about the School of Learning, then you should also consider our quick fixes, which are more specific and include things like how to extend conversations, mastering the IELTS speaking exam, and boost your IELTS score with patterns. Quick fixes are only $20, and we guarantee that you will definitely notice your improvements in your language. And also, let's say you want to have conversation and you want to improve your IELTS. You can now get all of this under one package, the Learn Your English Self-Study Master Package. For $130, get unlimited access to all of our offerings. Leo? Wow. Wow. That's, I couldn't help but notice that you used the word notice in, uh, in, uh, in, your, in your sales pitch there. Um, well, that's and it's, right. Yes. It's, it's interesting because... What we're going to be talking about today is noticing. We're going to be talking about this, this tool, this technique, this, this, I don't even know how we could describe what noticing is, but I thought, Mike, for those of you people who are listening to our podcast, I think it would be good for us to start from the beginning. We should start by looking at what noticing is, and then eventually we can talk about how it works and why it's so important. 
um, for language, um, for people who want to learn a language, for language acquisition to take place. But I'm going to start, Mike, by looking at the definition of the verb notice. So okay. I, I was looking at a bunch of different dictionaries, but I'm going to pick one here that I really liked, and perhaps we can, we can uh, get the ball rolling with this definition. Um, one of the definitions that I found for, for noticing, Mike, was this one here, which, which basically describes noticing as the fact of observing or paying attention to something. Okay. 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 So, so observing, like, yeah, yeah, observing and paying attention to something. Okay. So it's active is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Some sort of active role that you're doing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. I like, I actually wanted to talk about the pay attention to something because when you said active, when we pay attention to something, we are actively doing that. But how often do we pay attention to how we pay attention? That's deep. Yeah. So, so I guess you're saying is um, if we're watching something or listening to something, how do I know that I'm actively um, trying to notice what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not just listening for information. Perhaps I'm listening for some sort of language or use of language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you could notice that there is music playing in the background, <laughs> but are you paying attention to what the lyrics are about? Sure. So or, or is it what genre it is? Is it yes. jazz? Is it hip hop? What's what 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 era of hip hop is it? Mm -hmm. Is it 80s, 90s, right? Yeah. 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 That's so, where I stop, folks. I stop at the 90s. Sorry. So yeah. yeah. So <laughs> paying attention. So observing. So it's an active process of observing. It's an active process of paying attention. But I find that this idea of paying attention to how you pay attention is something that cannot be ignored. So that's the first definition of noticing. The second one that I want to bring to our uh, conversation to our listeners is if you notice something or if you notice someone, you realize they exist. Especially because you can see, you can hear, and you can feel them. So that's the second definition of noticing. Okay, then. Okay, yeah. So so where the first one might have been active, in this one, you're aware. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're just kind of aware, aware of your surroundings, your feelings, um, what's going on mm -hmm. with, uh, with the environment, not only the words, but maybe other things as well. Right? That's right. That's right. There is a realization that these things exist. So there is that awareness, that observation. But again... Just because you are noticing or just because you notice that there is music in the background, that your, your attention is drawn to that music, it doesn't mean that just because you've noticed what's happening, you are actually paying attention to how you're paying attention to those things. Right. I don't know if that so, makes any sense. Yeah, like I wonder, like if I'm, uh, so if I'm in the SDLP, which is our online portal, and I'm doing a vocabulary exercise, so I might be uh, noticing that the word uh, definitely um, is uh, is an adverb, but mm -hmm. um, I might not be noticing um, some of the rules that are associated with the word definitely. Mm -hmm. 
I'm like, mm. oh, there's that word definitely. Oh, there it is again. There it is again. So I'm noticing, mm -hmm. but I'm not critically becoming actively trying to notice right. um, its role in the sentence. And I'm not maybe aware of um, how its role might change in different types of sentences. Yeah. So that's what you're saying. It's about yeah. noticing, but also critically thinking about what it is you're noticing. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because the word noticing is one of those buzzwords. I've actually watched a lot of these polyglots on YouTube or, or even on Instagram talking a lot about like, you have to notice, you have to notice. But I don't think that noticing in itself is something. I mean, it's easy for us to define noticing, but it's more difficult for us to understand how noticing plays a role in language learning. And that's kind of where I want to get to now, because what does it mean, Mike, from a language learning perspective? What does it mean when a learner notices language? What does that mean? Yeah. So, so when a learner notices new language, basically they're paying special attention to its form, its use, and also its meaning. Let's, let's break that down. Sure. So noticing its form would be, mm -hmm. oh, well, what I just said with definitely, right? So mm -hmm. well, what is its form? Is it a noun, verb, adjective, adverb? Mm -hmm. um, use would imply how it's used. Mm -hmm. right? So how is it used in the sentence? Um, maybe what comes before it, what comes after it, and then also the meaning. Well, what does it mean, right? Mm. Both from inside the sentence, but also inside this larger context. So. Maybe if you're reading a, a paragraph, perhaps um, the word definitely is used in a sentence, but it's also relating to the overall subject of that paragraph as well. Mm. You know, it's funny. Um, I was in Istanbul very recently, and I noticed, going back to the word notice, I noticed that everyone there, were they were trying really hard to speak in English with me. Okay. Um, to communicate, even though I could only, of them. that's yeah. very thoughtful. Yes. But of course their English skills were somewhat limited, especially like the taxi driver, for example. Um, but it was interesting because as I was having breakfast every morning at the hotel, I couldn't help but notice how they, they would always ask me if I wanted coffee in the same way. So they say, they would say, they only use the noun. They would say coffee. And I said, and they're like, okay, thank you. And they would say, thank you for pouring the coffee. And I would say, thank you. And then they would say, thank you back to me. So it was a communication basically using a noun, coffee, juice. And I said, yes, please. And they said, thank you. So I noticed how they used, they used the word thank you a lot um, when communicating. So I don't think they really paid attention to the form or even to the use of these one these interactions um, when you are um, making an offer and accepting an offer, or you know, um, in this case of offering juice or offering a drink to someone. And I wonder, Leo, if that speaks to a larger cultural thing. And again, I, I don't know, and, and of course you're new to Turkish culture as well. But perhaps, perhaps um, someone saying thank you while giving something would mean maybe that that they take pride. Mm -hmm. in, in, in their ability to, to look after people, right? Oh, yes. thank you for giving me this opportunity to 
to um, look after you or share with you this great coffee or great juice that I've prepared. So yeah, it's quite interesting. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but eventually we're talking about noticing. But before we jump and, and kind of like dive deeper into noticing, it's very important for me to mention that noticing is actually a hypothesis, Mike. It's something that was theoretically constructed and actually is very important in within the second language acquisition realm. Um, and basically, this is a theory that was proposed by a man named Richard Smith in the early 90s. And he basically said, Mike, that a learner cannot continue to improve their language abilities or even to understand certain aspects of the language unless they consciously notice the input. Mm -hmm. So let's break that down. What does that mean? Yeah, that sounds, it sounds also very computerish, doesn't it? Very digital, mm -hmm. right? The mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering here, so, so I guess what you're saying is, or what, what, um, what, uh, what Schmidt is saying is that, so when we, when we're noticing, or sorry, when, in order for us to learn a language, we actually mm -hmm. have to actively notice how it is being used. And unless mm -hmm. we do that, then we're not going to be able to um, advance, uh, advance, improve. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. So there's a certain um, stagnation involved. And I think a lot of people probably never improve because they never really notice language. They, they, because honestly, Mike, I think there is a little bit of training involved in noticing, you really have to train yourself to notice language. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we so, can talk more yeah. about that too. Yeah, let's talk more about that because I think it, there's some overlaps there with what goes on in the classroom. And I know we're going to talk about that later. But I want to tell you the story now, the, oh. the Richard Smith. So do you, do you know how he came up with the theory? No. No. So he basically decided to move to Brazil. So we have lots of listeners from Brazil. So he decided to spend some time in Brazil wearing a Hawaiian shirt and a, a Panamanian hat. There's a picture of him um, doing that. And basically, Mike, what he was doing is he was doing that uh, consciously, that conscious noticing, because basically what he was doing, Mike, is he had a little notepad, like a little diary, and he recorded all his interactions with Brazilians. And he kept that in, a, in, a, in his little notepad of what he had learned in class through formal instruction for five months. So he was doing two things. He was recording his real life interactions with people and he was keeping a diary of all the things that he learned in, uh, formally in the classroom. As it turns out, the words and the phrases and the structures that he had seen in class were much easier for him to notice when he was interacting with Brazilian native speakers of Portuguese. Why? Because those expressions, those chunks, those words, they somewhat stood out from all the rest of the information of the input he was being given. And that made noticing more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It made noticing more visible. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure that the and perhaps those situations in general made the learning more visible or salient, right? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. it was probably in those moments where 
he again noticed the forms that were coming up, but perhaps he also noticed maybe a gap in terms mm-hmm. of what he wanted to say and also um, what what they were saying to yeah. perform that task, right? So yeah, we can touch yeah. on that later, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because what he also noticed <laughs> or observed is that there was a correlation between the language that he had actively noticed and the language he started to use more spontaneously in communication. So he basically then, after going through all of these processes, he basically came to the conclusion that, of course, noticing is clearly not enough for you to learn a language, but it is a very good starting point. So noticing then, Mike, entails or involves paying very conscious attention or paying attention to how you pay attention to what is said, to how it is said. And of course, um, this could help you, or we could even argue that it's a, it's a, it's a condition for successful language learning, right? Right. So, so I guess the individual needs to think of opportunities for when they can opportunities to find Mm. um, and to notice. And perhaps also maybe in the classroom, teachers need to find opportunities to help students notice so that we can develop this skill, as you said, Mm -hmm. because I agree with you. I think it really is a skill and probably um, uh, Smith probably had to train himself quite regularly to to stick to this this strategy of writing things down and and really noticing what was happening and then reflecting Mm -hmm. on that. So that's a skill. So I guess it's all about really how people can find opportunities to practice that skill, but also how teachers can find opportunities to develop that skill. Exactly, exactly. So now that we understand what noticing is and where it came from, perhaps we should talk about how we can actually notice. Um, you, you, you learned Japanese. Were there any experiences that you could share with us when you've noticed something actively, consciously, and you're like, oh, Yes, I noticed they use this, and then you immediately transfer that to your active um, use of the language. Yeah, so, I mean, one, one good example, and it's not really a grammatical term, it's mm. more of a kind of socio, it's a social kind of phenomenon or cultural thing. So um, I, I was teaching a lot of female students, uh, middle-aged <laughs> women, and okay. I noticed that after all of their conversations, um, or after some of their statements, uh, the person listening to the statement would would use this kind of tag like the show, right? Or 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 the person themselves would say the show, like atsu the show, or or atsu the show, like annoying the mm-hmm. show. I hopefully they weren't calling me annoying, but uh, uh-huh. but, anyway, but they said but the was, show all the time. There was the show, yeah. So I thought, oh well, that's that's like um, isn't it or right? So I thought, great. So that's the the form and the the meaning came down quite easy right the use of it even came quite came um, came to me quite easily um but then i started to use it around many of my male friends and uh and my, and my partner at the time mm-hmm. and uh they were like why do you sound like a woman <laughs> so so it was quite interesting how i was able to notice it and uh. then leo what happened and and then try to use it then fail but then what i noticed was on the subway in the bars and the izakayas, men, most men weren't using it. 
Mm. If there were a group of office workers, the women or female office workers were using it, but the male office workers weren't. And then there were other examples where men were using words like kimi or, uh, to, to refer to themselves like I, mm. um, whereas women weren't. And I thought, you know, it's interesting how the, the form and the use might come quite simple, but I began to notice kind of these other kind of cultural, um, sociocultural things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which were quite interesting. And I think that, that, um, that for me, th- those were like kind of two of the more interesting. So you were... So basically, Mike, you were actively engaged in noticing elements of the language. In this case, um, I would say mostly Lexis, right? That was yeah, the like vocabulary. Yeah. 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 So, you're, so you're basically engaged in noticing how people were using that very specific expression, that very specific tag. And it's, what's also interesting is when I was in, in Spain or in Mexico, sorry, when I was in Mexico, I couldn't help but notice how they always use the word way, 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 way. Oh, okay. And I was like, man, like, but again, for me to be able to do this and for you to be able to do what you just did, you have to be actively engaged in noticing elements of grammar. So for example, if, uh, if you're talking to someone and you notice how they say, oh yeah, I've just, I've just done this, I've just done that, you can kind of easily acquire the present perfect without learning all the grammatical rules by just paying attention to how people are saying, oh, I've just got here. Also, when people just arrive at a place, they say, I've just got here without having to learn all the formal rules, right? The same thing happens with you with Lexis and even with pronunciation. Um, When I was in in Turkey, uh, I was talking to this techie guy in the company and uh, we were talking and he says, and, and I said, oh, yeah, so how, how long is it going to take you to develop this? Oh, he's like, oh, it's going to take me this month to develop. And he kept saying develop, and I kept saying develop. And at one point, he said, oh, Leo, it's develop, right? And I said, yeah. And he's like, okay. and I always pronounce develop. And I said, good. That's good noticing. So, again, right. he was actively engaged in noticing, in this case, pronunciation, phonology, right? So... So Mike, it's interesting because yeah. that, that's like it's not only about. I think that speaks to what we said earlier because it's not only about noticing the language; it's also about being aware of that mm-hmm. gap, right? Mm-hmm. So he, perhaps hearing you say "develop" again kind of made him compare uh, how he was saying it with how you were saying it, and then of course just just in yeah. this case asking you if, if that was correct. So so. Noticing does provide these opportunities for us mm-hmm. to, to, to think of ways of improving our pronunciation, our, our grammar use, and so on. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's how you can notice. That's how you do it. You can do it more consciously by having like a little notebook, like Schmidt head, with like expressions that you notice people using. And of course, you can do noticing in, in, in different ways by just really paying attention to how people do this. So if all that information, all that data collected by Schmidt, uh, his, his theory is anything for us to go by, then a, a student who is consciously engaged in noticing, in paying attention to, to people, how people use a language, and this student is more likely to become fluent in that language and to fix their own mistakes and problems in the language than a student who is not consciously 
doing that. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. I studied English in a classroom for years, but felt I was not improving and not having fun either. I did not know how to learn a language. Then I found the Learn Your English online membership. My name is Victor and I am an LYE member. This membership is for people who are passionate about learning English in their own way. These are not classes. This is learning outside of the classroom. We learn by participating in activities just for us, effective and fun. The special thing about the community is that the teachers will do anything they can to find the best way for you to learn. In my case, it has been through philosophy, psychology and life in general. Head over to the Learn Your English website for all the details. That is learnyourenglish.com. Ready to take control of your learning? Join me today in the Learn Your English student community. Hi guys, my name is Ethan from Korea. You are listening to Teacher Talking Time and the Learn Your English podcast. 안녕하세요. 제 이름은 에단이고요. 한국에 물론 한국인입니다. 지금 여러분은 Teacher Talking Time the Learn Your English podcast를 듣고 계십니다. But this is a skill, you know. We've talked a little bit about this with reflection and goal mm-hmm. setting. Mm-hmm. It's um, you know, noticing is something we have to build up from the bottom, right? Yeah. Kind of build it brick by brick. And I wonder, you know, are there any strategies that like beginners can use to help them kind of be more mm. curious about language, help them find those salient pieces of information? That's a good one. I think, I mean, there's different things I would suggest. I think the first thing I would say, Mike, is first of all, you have to notice what you're trying to notice. So it's very hard for people to notice today. Because we live in a time and age where our attention is being taken away, is trying to be, you know, is being sequestered by many different distractions. And when you're distracted, you can't really notice anything, right? Also, noticing involves not only conscious attention, but also attentional resources. And we know that these things are limited. So it's very difficult for us to notice many, many different things all the time, especially because noticing it's almost like a detective, like having a detective like mindset, right? And as you said, Mike, noticing doesn't come naturally to everyone. It means that we need to make it, we need to make things more noticeable. So what I would suggest is maybe we can start with, let's say, Mike, today you were teaching a class. Actually, I'm going to give you an example. Today I was teaching a class And one of the things my students said to me was how in English um, you attract criticism. And he said, it's funny because in Portuguese, you don't attract criticism from people. You attract criticism to yourself. Hmm. Can you give me an example? Like he basically said, like, if I say something negative to you, Mike, I was like, oh, Mike, you're a really bad guy. And. You know, and then after that, after that, I, 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 then after that, I was like, oh, Mike, you know what? I really regret what I said. I didn't mean that. So I'm attracting criticism to myself. I'm reflecting on what I said and I'm criticizing myself. So in Portuguese, you attract criticism to yourself. In English, what you say may attract criticism from other people. Uh-huh. So that's the first point. So he noticed this, hmm. right? But Mike, I would argue that that student has to go home and watch something where that word attract criticism or maybe watch the news, maybe look at a lot of data 
where they are because they need to be re-exposed to it over and over again. And they have to re-notice that. Because, Mike, if you notice it today, but you don't notice it tomorrow and in the next days, I think you're going to forget about it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that goes with everything, right? That's just part of good goal setting. And yeah. So I guess what you're trying to say then and what you're, what you're really recommending then is for learners to be, first of all, curious about. Mm-hmm. Curiosity is everything. Yes. Yeah. That's the yeah. first step. And then yeah. maybe even just start with asking some questions, right? So mm-hmm. as you're reading something or watching something or engaged in a, in a conversation, you know, think a little bit about who, like start off with the five W or five WH questions, right? Like mm-hmm. who, what, when, where, why, how, right? Yes. Who is speaking? Cause that might dictate how formal they're like. Exactly. Um, what words are being used? You know, what is this word to show? right? Mm-hmm. Um, where, where are they? What is this situation? Is mm-hmm. it a formal situation? Is it an informal situation? Um, again, when, like the time, when are they using it? Oh, they're using it at the end of the sentence to show like that they're listening or to show that they're interested or maybe to give emphasis. Why? Again, like why are they using it? Maybe they're using it for emphasis. Maybe they're using it to attract attention mm-hmm. to themselves, right? And then again, how? So Folks, as Leo said, you need to do this regularly, right? So a how question could be, how often am I noticing this word, right? Mm -hmm. Or how many times are are people using this word? Uh, Mm -hmm. How are they using this word? Are they using it to uh, maintain the conversation? Are they using it to show agreement? Um, So asking WH questions is a great place to start. But then as you said, it has to be this ongoing process. Yes. And really at the SDLP, we provide these great self-study lessons on learning vocabulary, on learning idioms um, that really can help you build these skills, right? As Leo said, yeah. these noticing skills that are so important. And then you can test them out in yeah. the group lessons that are yeah. also there. Yeah. It is funny because we normally think that it is by practicing the language that we notice that we remember. But I don't know if that's the case, Mike. I think, I think it's more about the amount of noticing that uh, it's the amount of noticing that actually makes a difference. Because I don't know if you're going to agree with me, but like the more you, let's imagine you've learned the expression, um, you know, attract criticism, right? And then you go and turn on the news and then you, you hear it's like, oh, the new, uh, the new vaccine, the booster vaccine has attracted criticism from, you know, right. certain countries. And you're like, oh, I hear that again. And then you decide to open the newspaper and you read the news. And then you read something like, you know, that the new the Manchester United coach has attracted criticism from from the British media. And you're like, oh, I see that again. So right. the more you hear the more you read that very specific language item, the more you are likely to notice it. So if you want to notice a certain word, or if you want to notice a certain pronunciation, a certain structure, you have to have a lot of input. I would say you have to have that flooded input, receiving lots of information with that. So as you said, Mike, going back to computers, I think that's how computers learn language because they have so much data on that specific structure. This is how Google is able to complete sentences because they have had all, they were artificially engineered to notice language. 
That's so interesting. And really, I mean, I can give a very personal example. Mm. Um, uh, learning how to write academically, nobody actually sat down and taught me how to write uh, academically growing up in a, um, you know, English speaking country, right? Right. Of course, like, you know, how you write an essay, but not, not the variety, not the range of language you need to help convince someone of your point or how to uh, describe what happened in your experiment, right, in a science report. But what, how I learned was by reading lots of interesting essays, reading mm-hmm. lots of interesting articles that are report style, report format. And then what I learned was, oh, here's how you introduce the situation. Yeah. And then I noticed that the next line talks a little bit about a problem or a gap in that situation. And then the, the line after that talks a little bit about how, um, how their study might fill that gap or answer that problem, mm-hmm. respond to the problem, answer the question. And then finally, they finish with their overall purpose and hypothesis. So mm-hmm. I, was, I was learning how to become a better writer by noticing how other people write. And, and basically, you're right. It wasn't just one article. No. Numerous articles, right? And, and the more you see them, right? Article, yeah. And every time I read an article, even as a more advanced writer now, I'm always just picking these sentences. Oh, I love yeah. the way that they say that. I'm going to use that to describe how I conducted my research, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's a, it's a skill that we can all benefit from. Mm-hmm. And I think the only way for you to do this is by training yourself. And it's very easy to say to a student, you have to notice language. But if you don't teach them how to notice, Mike, I don't think, I don't think students, I don't think people are, I don't think we're naturally wired to notice things. I think we can pay attention to them, but, but we don't pay attention to how we pay attention. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Or we don't know what we don't know, right? That's right. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know that I, I need an, a gap in my introduction, um, mm-hmm. unless I know that I need a gap in my introduction. So what that means, folks, is it's hard for me to notice that this is a gap unless I know that a gap is required, right? So, so this goes back to again finding opportunities to um, to notice these 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 things that might be mm-hmm. consistent with the models, right? So. The speaker talking to Leo, he's, he's using the word so he can get feedback on, on, mm. on how his use of the word is, right? And that's, um, that's the gap. We can read these journal articles, but then mm-hmm. when, we, when we write our, our own journal article, our, our introduction, let's say, I want to model it after a model before I give it to my teacher. I don't want to go back and start from square one. I want to look at the models that I've noticed and try and replicator or mimic what's mm-hmm. being produced and then i can get feedback on that i think the big thing leo is and this happens a lot with other traits is is um we know what we need to do but we don't do it right like, yeah i noticed that oh in order to have a strong core i need to do planks but i don't do planks i keep doing sit-ups yeah My core doesn't get stronger because it's working the wrong muscle group yeah so um we need to notice these things but we also need to take advantage of these models and then use them as, as models for ourselves. And then we can get feedback on that. Right. It, there are a lot of interesting points that we can, uh, we can, uh, we can discuss here. 
Um, one of them for me specifically, now that you mentioned core, is I've <laughs> noticed that I haven't been engaging my core properly when exercising, which makes me more prone to injuries. Okay. And I think we all know this. So now I have started to pay more attention to how I engage my core. Because in the past, I always thought, oh, I'm engaging my core. It's fine. It's engaged. But it's not. You have to consciously engage it while you're doing the exercise. Otherwise, you think you naturally, as you said, Mike, you naturally assume that it's, it's engaged, but it's not. And I think it's the same thing with, with noticing. I think we notice things when there is a gap, when the gap is visible. And I think you gave a very good example with your academic writing. I think it's the same for me. And I find that this is why it makes a lot of sense to learn a language from a dialogical perspective. Because when you are communicating, you start to notice that you struggle to say certain things. And it is in those areas where you struggle that you can start to notice the gap and a teacher can help you notice those gaps and say, this is the word that you should, you should use. So students need to engage in this kind of negotiation of meaning or, or they have to be pushed to produce language. This is why we are strong proponents of dogme and task-based language teaching because students are being, I don't like to use this word, but we are being forced to produce language. Like you, Mike, you were being forced to write papers, but before you wrote the papers, you had to read. And as you were reading, you started to pay attention to, oh, this is how I can write this because I didn't know how to do it well. So that's kind of... Um, it increases your noticeability the more you, you realize that there is a gap. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, Mike, why is noticing um, important but not enough? Oh, well, as you said earlier, right? Like we, we, we can notice our, the use of certain words. We can, we can notice um, our gaps and we can find opportunities for, for building our English based on how other people are doing things. But, um, but it's not enough because we also need to take what we've learned and then apply it. And I think this is where the dialogue comes into place, right? You have to notice the, notice the language around you. Um, you have to develop your hypothesis, how it works. Maybe think of some different options. Um, I, I, I can say this word here. I could say this word here. Um, but at the end of the day, you need to have a dance partner, right? Mm -hmm. You just can't play. I mean, you could, you could play tennis against the wall, but that's no fun, right? You, you actually, the wall's not going to give you the feedback on your swing, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to get that feedback. And I think that in order to do that, like you said, Leo, you need to be, in, you need to be having dialogue. So if you're trying to improve your writing, you need to write for someone. Mm -hmm. Have them look at your writing. Yeah. And, and then it's from there that you'll get your feedback. Not only will you get your feedback, but I don't know about you. When mm. I'm playing, when I'm hitting the ball against the wall, I'm not putting in as much care and effort as I am when I'm playing with a partner uh, on the tennis court, right? So I'm more, my, my use of English is more refined mm -hmm. because I'm trying, I'm pushing myself to produce it. At, at, at as clearly as possible, right? 
So it's very much important for us to notice and then really think about how we're going to use it. You know, consider how mm-hmm. we can how we can focus on meaning, focus on mm-hmm. form, focus on use, but then test it out with someone and see yeah. how they respond. Yeah, because then we can, as you, as your your colleague in Turkey did with you, you, you can yeah. then ask clarification questions, and we can yeah. find out maybe um, a way of uh, filling that gap or an opportunity for improvement. Yeah, and it's interesting because I I was reading a lot about noticing. And I noticed that um, I think it was a researcher. Her name is, I think it's Susan Gass, I guess. That's her last name, Gass. She basically said, Mike, that uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what she said. Oh, yes. She said that not all learning requires input. And that makes a lot of sense because if you were just having a conversation with someone in in a language that you were trying to learn, you will start to notice that there are certain things that you can't express in that language. And that is another example of noticing that gap, right? So that gap can occur when you are speaking. That gap can occur, as you uh, mentioned, with writing. So I think what we really need to do, and this is why noticing is important, because noticing is almost like you go from this unconscious incompetence where you don't know that you don't know to a conscious incompetence where you know that you don't know to eventually get into a conscious competence that you, you are now really trying to do it, but you're still paying attention to it. You're still using that language or that specific grammatical point or whatever more consciously to get to the point where you become unconsciously competent, where you can use that without even thinking. Right. So, yeah, I think we've talked about that in earlier episodes. It becomes more automatic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's it, folks. That's basically um, why noticing is so important. I think you have to. So, Mike, some important takeaways for people would be you have to pay attention to how you pay attention. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, You have to expose yourself to a lot of language so you can not only. Um, notice, but also re-notice that same. This is why what you said with with uh, reading academic papers. The more you read them, the more you see that same structure being used over and over and over again. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that third or final takeaway would be that once you've noticed, you have to test it out on on others, right? Mm-hmm. And get that critical feedback um, from either a teacher or or another individual. Mm-hmm. And that can take place in a conversation or uh, through your own writing. And I think, uh, as you said, Leo, dialogue, right? You need mm-hmm. constant dialogue with others so you can try out these, uh, um, these, these different language pieces mm-hmm. and see if you're using them properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, Mike, but as we approach the end of this episode, um, I noticed, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but... I noticed that the words notice, noticing, um, were used quite a lot throughout this episode. We even use a couple of uh, expressions like, I noticed that, um, I noticed why, you know. So we use the word notice 
quite a lot throughout this episode. So I'm not sure you noticed that. Um, but those of you who were listening to us, um, I hope you noticed that we use that word quite often. And now I hope you know how to use the word notice better in English. Right, Mike? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I hope everyone was paying attention, but now I guess we'll know if everyone was aware that they were paying attention. So. That's right. <laughs> thanks for noticing and thanks for listening to this episode. We will be back next month with another episode of The Cult of Learning by Teacher Talking Time with me, Leo, and my good friend, Mike, here. And in the meantime, we'll see you in the SDLP, everyone. Thank you. You've been listening to Teacher Talking Time, brought to you by Learn Your English. Ready to take control of your education? You're in the right place. Teaching, professional development, learning. Expand your world with Learn Your English.